The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In our series on the book of Job, we began yesterday looking into the third chapter and the unspeakable sorrow that Job experienced. Sometimes in the midst of our sorrows, we don't see what God is doing in our lives, but he is always there. And ultimately, even if the circumstance we face ends up in our death, then our lives are most blessed because the best day of the life of a child of God is the day he dies. Join us today as we continue looking at Sarah and how Job handled it and the things that ought to comfort us. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. His cornerstone, this solid ground. Thorn through the fiercest drought and storm. My heights of love, my depths of peace. Thank you. 
they sat, they sat down beside him in his grief. Now listen to what happens in chapter 3. And let's just read the first few verses. After this, opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said there is a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Notice what he's doing. He cursed his day. He cursed his day. You've got to be in bad shape. To wish you had never been born. You've got to be in a bad place to wish you had never been born. Your grief would have to be very great in order to be in the place where Job is. And listen, Job is not a drama queen. Job's not exaggerating. Job's not someone who is prone to hyperbole. Job is, Job is really feeling this. Understand me this morning. Job is feeling this deep-seated grief that's very heavy upon him. And he is lamenting the very day he was born. In verse 8, is an interesting usage of Hebrew words here. Let them curse it that curse the day who are ready to raise up their mourning. Now, if you do a little word study there, that last little phrase, their mourning, their mourning, and that's not mourning as in the day, but mourning as in grief, mourning over something, is the, is the Hebrew word Leviathan. The word Leviathan literally means twisted up. And, and if you think about it, that's, later on, this word is literally used by God to describe a creature of the sea, uh, a sea serpent of some sort, a huge creature. Could it be a whale? Possibly. Could it be something else? I don't know. Could it be some sort of dinosaur-like creature? I don't know. But the word Leviathan here is used in a symbolic way. In ancient times, the ancient myths that Job would have been familiar with. Job probably grew up in, probably lived in the, in the Mesopotamian area. He probably lived near the, in or near the city of Sumer, which is uh, well known, was it's probably the area where Abraham came from. He came out of Ur of the Chaldees. He came from that Mesopotamian region. And uh, we're told in several places that, that the fathers of Abraham, and Abraham himself, when he was a young man, worshipped false gods and were, were privy to all sorts of false stories and false religions. And in that area, there was a story about uh, creation and about uh, the gods of that time that involved a creature called Leviathan which represented chaos and turmoil. In other words, Leviathan was almost like a satanic creature in that day. Now, I don't know. I know this. I'm not saying Job, was, Job clearly was not worshiping uh, pagan gods. But my point about that is they apparently used that term symbolically to denote chaos and really, really bad stuff. <laughs> okay. Now, literally it's used to denote a creature. Uh, but in this place, you'll notice the King James translators translated it as, uh, as, as referencing mourning and grief. So 
In that day, for Job to use that word, it would have, it would have meant something. It would, have, it would have really shown forth the depth of his heart's suffering. It's about as low as it gets, right? To say, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I'd never even been conceived. But Job gets even lower than that. He not only cursed his day, he questioned his life. Look as we keep reading. He said, let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut up not the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. And now look at verse 11. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? In other words, why wasn't I a stillborn child? If, if, if it would have been better if I'd never even been conceived. If I'd never even existed, it would be better. But, but since, I, since I was conceived and since I, I was brought forth from the womb, why didn't I just die as a child? Over in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in verse 2. There's a statement there that reminds me a lot of this. And you recall that the book of Ecclesiastes is a book about under the sun. Remember that. It's about under the sun. What we see under the sun. If your focus is only under the sun, you'll end up where the writer of Ecclesiastes ends up. And in chapter 4, you know, if you don't have a vision of God, if you don't have a vertical view, in chapter 4, in verse 2, well, verse 1, he says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, they had no comforter. And on the side of the oppressors, there was, their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore, in other words, because of all I've seen and all I've experienced under the sun. Job, you're in the same position, right? All you've seen is under the sun. He hasn't had that heavenly view yet. Uh, and he, he said, because of this, wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they, which hath not yet, which hath not yet been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. In other words, it's better for everybody if they, were never, if, they were, if they died as a child. It's better for everybody to have not been born. It's better to have been uh, brought forth as a stillborn child than to be where I am today. Notice as we keep reading. Why died I, verse 11, Job 3, why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Why the breasts that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet? I should have slept. Then had I been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves, or with princes that had gold, who filled their houses with silver, or as a hidden, untimely birth. I had not been as infants which never saw the light. It would be better for me if I had died before I was born. There the wicked, because see, this is his interesting description of death, and it's somewhat accurate. There the wicked cease from troubling. There the weary be at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. The small and great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Why am I even alive? Why was I ever conceived? He cursed his day. And then he questioned his life. And now notice that he longs for death. He longs for death. Look at verse 20. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life under the bitter in soul, which long for death, but it cometh not, and dig for it more 
than for hid treasures, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. My grandmother McCool died in 2005 at age 90, I think it was. And for the last three or four years, Aunt Lorene knows what I'm talking about. For the last three or four years, she had gotten bedridden. Well, not exactly bedridden, but she couldn't get out from home. She could sit in her recliner there, and she was just miserable. She was having heart issues, and just things got worse and worse. And I can't tell you how many times she would say to me when I'd go visit her, Son, I just can't get no better, but I can't get no worse. You know, she'd have been glad to get better, but if she couldn't get better, she'd have left to just gone ahead and died. That's, that's where my grandmother was, same place Job is. Why can't I just die? Why can't I? I'm ready. I'm tired. Let me, let me die. Let me go. You know, one of the things that we do not believe in as primitive Baptists is that we should take our own lives. We don't believe that. We believe that life and death ought to be left in the hands of the Lord. Okay? We also don't believe that uh, the way we leave this world affects where we end up. <laughs> Sometimes Some teach that suicide means that, we, that you die and go to hell. Let me tell you something. If you're one of God's children, if you're one of his that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, that he died for on the cross, that he loved from eternity past, you're going to be with him. Okay? You're going to be with him. We, I, many of us have been touched in our families and in our friends, circle of friends by suicide. Suicide doesn't take us to hell. Let me tell you, if you're a child of God, you'll be in heaven. But suicide is not something that we should ever embrace, okay? Because there's reason God is leaving us here. My grandmother, one of the reasons is the same reason I believe God left Job here. She was one of the best examples of patient endurance and suffering that I've ever had in my own personal life because she endured to the end. Don't, don't ever think you don't have a place in this world. As long as you're here, God has a use for you, okay? God has a use for you. But he longed for death. Elijah got there, didn't he? Elijah got out under a juniper tree and said, Lord, there's no point in my life anymore. Take me home. He had just won that great battle, Brother Mac. He had just, he had just destroyed 800 prophets of Baal. He'd call fire down from heaven onto the, 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 the trench that was full of water and the, and the, and the, the, uh, uh, the wood of the sacrifice that was soaked with water. And, you know, as I've always said, water puts out fire, right? But in Elijah's case, fire put out water. <laughs> fire took it. He burned it up. There wasn't anything. Burned the stones up. There's a reason we have stone fireplaces. It's because fire won't burn it up, but the fire of God burned it up. And then he began to run scared into the wilderness. He began to, 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 to run and flee from Jezebel. said, Lord, you know, that's my problem. You know when I have the hardest struggle with depression? It's after the greatest victories and highest mountaintops of my life. You know, you get up to the mountaintop, and then suddenly the next thing you know, I mean, it wouldn't be a day or so. Sherry will tell you, don't ask her. I don't want her to talk about how bad I am. <laughs> she would tell you, I'll be flying high, and the next morning I'll be as low as if I were in the Marianas Trench out in the Pacific Ocean. I just, but that's what happened to him. He thought it was over, and God still had work for him to do. God still had, he still had work to do that was greater than the work he'd already done. He had to anoint two kings 
and his successor. And by the way, Elijah never died. <laughs> I love that. Elijah sitting out under the juniper tree said, Lord, I want to die. Elijah's suicidal. He's wanting to die. He's, he's done with life. There's, no, and there's nobody left but me. You know, that's another thing, lie that the devil will tell you. There's nobody left. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Oh, nobody left but me out there. He said, Elijah, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. <laughs> I've got people you don't know about. Anytime you get to thinking that God's work is all wrapped up in you, you got problems. <laughs> oh, when I'm gone, Lord, it'll be over. I guess you might as well come back because your work here on earth will be done when I'm gone, right? No, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not that important to the kingdom of God. <laughs> You're important. We want you. Don't go away from your saying. Chris, Brother Chris said you don't matter. You do matter, but you don't matter that much. <laughs> God's going to get his work done with or without you. But here's Job. I'm so miserable. I want to die. Listen as we finish this up here. Verse 23, why is light given to a man whose way is hid, whom God hath hedged in? For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. Now listen to this, verse, this, verses 25 and 26. I really get this. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. You, you know what bothers me more than anything else? You know what I'm the most afraid, seems like? It's when everything's going good. You know, I, I guess I just can't, you know, I've, everything's going great. I've got all my ducks in a row. Life is good. And, you know, I feel like I'm sitting here just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm just waiting for the problems. You know, that's Job. He's, you, you remember what he did? He prayed for his children and he sacrificed for them. And he was, so, he was so happy with them. They loved each other. They were such a loving family. They were all together. They'd go to each one's house on a different day. And they wanted to be together. And Job's just sitting there. I can just see Job said, Lord, I know the bad's coming. I know it's coming. When is it coming? I'm afraid of it. You know, that's, that's me sometimes. And sometimes that, that can be a healthy thing. But, but as I've said many times, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. You can get in the ditch of pride on one side, and you can get in the ditch of depression on the other, okay? Job says, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, and yet trouble came. What a, what a terrible outpouring. What, why is, remember the patience of Job in, verse, in chapters 1 and 2? What, what's happened to Job here? What's happened? What's the motivation behind this? Because we see him breaking a little bit. We see a crack. We see a chink in the armor here, right? He begins to, he begins to break a little. Why? Well, maybe, maybe his wife got to him. Remember in chapter 2 and verse 9, his wife said unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. His very life's companion lost faith and began to encourage him to commit sin. Maybe his wife got to him. Maybe his friends got to him. The seven days of silence, you know, that can be a good thing. But it also, maybe he had hoped they had the answers. Maybe he hoped that they were going to come tell him what was going on and lift him up. And eventually when they do try to tell him, they're so off. They're so far off of the truth. Maybe the devil got to him. I suspect Satan is still there watching. We don't read about his name anymore, but he's afflicted him. And Satan likes to glory in his handiwork. If he can destroy you, child of God, he will gloat over it. Maybe the devil got to him. But whatever the motivation, Job is beginning to crumble 
under the weight of his sufferings. And I want you to notice something. God doesn't answer Job. Job doesn't know what all has happened between God and Satan. He doesn't know where God is in all this and what Satan's been doing. God doesn't answer Job. What are we to make of that? May I suggest to you this morning that when God doesn't answer our questions, that means we already know enough to pass the test. When God doesn't answer us, that means we've already got enough information to pass the test. And we really do, don't we? Job didn't have this. We've got this, this scripture. Job didn't have it. So let's, let's close this out today by, by talking about a few. First of all, remember, Job knew nothing about the interactions between God and Satan. He didn't know about God being proud of him and saying, look at Job. He's, he's doing so well. And say, he knew nothing about Satan desiring to get him and, and accusing him falsely. He was also oblivious, it appears, to his own self-righteousness and pride. He apparently has not figured out yet because we know from the scriptures and from what we're told that suffering is not always the result of one's sin. It's not always the chastening of God. Remember that at Psalm 130 and verse 3, the psalmist says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Certainly that applies in eternity, but that applies here and now as well. You know, I'm so thankful, as Brother Buddy has taught us many times, that our, our chastening in this life is not a one-for-one day. In other words, every sin we commit doesn't get uh, a punishment. You know, praise God, He's merciful to us. Praise God, He passes over us so many times. Certainly, He passed over all of our sins in eternity. Praise God for that. But in this life, if in this life, uh, you know, if, if, if I didn't expect to see the goodness of God in this life, I would faint, as the psalmist said. He's good to us here and now. It's not that sin can slide by unpaid for. It's just that Christ has paid for every single sin of every single elect child of God. Which brings me to the question that I asked earlier. Does this remind you of anything? When it came to me yesterday, it brought tears to my eyes. Job is crying out from the depths of his heart. And we know that God is there. There was a man named Jesus Christ who cried out from the depths of his heart, who went to a garden, and we're told he was sore amazed, and he was very heavy. The word sore amazed literally means thoroughly terrified. The word very heavy is the strongest of three Greek words to denote depression. He was that bad off. He was very sorrowful even unto death. That means he was overcome with sorrow so much that it, that it could have caused death in a normal person. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Job didn't know this was coming. Job didn't know what was ahead. Jesus Christ knew exactly what was coming. It's one thing, as Brother David Crawford told us, to go and not know but it's another to go when you know. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ went to Gethsemane and he knew exactly what he was facing on Calvary. And there came a point in his life where he was abandoned in a sense by God. I can't explain it. I can't, I can't denote the exact 
time frames and exactly what happened. But I know this. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ became that which God hated. He became the sin that He despised. He became that which could not come into the presence of God. And the Godhead, the great three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who had been in perfect fellowship and harmony from eternity past and are now today and for eternity future in perfect harmony and fellowship. That perfect harmony and fellowship was broken on the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'll tell you why he was forsaking him. It was for Job. It was for Chris. It was for Glendon and Mackie and Buddy and anybody. Put your name in here. He was forsaken. And all of the cries that Job uh, uttered in his despair are nothing compared to that which Christ uttered as he went that road to Calvary. Oh, how, oh, how glorious. How awfully glorious it is to think about Jesus who was about to be abandoned in a sense, to be separated by sin, not his own, but yours and mine, to be separated from his Father. Praise God. Praise God for a Savior who would banish himself in one sense on behalf of his beloved. So as, as terrible as the grief of Job was, James's statement about the book of Job and the experience of Job still applies. He says, you've heard of the patience of Job. We might even say you've heard of the pain and the suffering of Job. But you've also heard about the end of the Lord. He's very pitiful and of tender mercies. You know why? Because he did not spare his son. Because his son did not spare himself. He went all the way for you and I who he had loved from before the foundation of the world with an everlasting love and whom he had predestinated to be conformed to his image one day and whom he will come back and get. So if your suffering approaches that of Job's, I'm sorry for you. But praise God, that's not the end of the matter because the end of the Lord is pity and mercy. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.